0: Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and I'm really excited and honored to have this week's guest on the show. She's the co-host and producer of NPR's First History Podcast. Uh, She's Palestinian, which you guys know I'm already just so excited. Welcome to the show, Randab Abdel Fatah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. And like I'm trying not to fan girl too hard, but (laughs) I can no longer contain it.
1: Um, I I really appreciate that, and also I feel I feel weird, like I feel like <laughs> <laughs> nobody
0: should be fangirling over
1: me. Um, People should be fangirling
0: over you for sure. If they're gonna fangirl over someone, let it be let it be the person who's teaching us about all the things in history that no one has ever spoken about. Uh
1: that's but- well, that I mean, honestly, this high priest. Do you do you see how bad I am at like? making sense of um, compliments yeah Uh, I really appreciate (laughs) everything you're saying it means a lot
0: (laughs) I um a theme that I've noticed a lot in general I mean this isn't going to be shocking to to you or to anyone listening is that women are just so like compliments Mm. we don't know and there's never I will say there's never I think uh a quote-unquote like correct way to respond to them because I when someone compliments me I'm receptive and I'll be like oh my god Mm -hmm. thank you so much that also makes people uncomfortable. I've noticed. Like, there's no wait, you right like way. Own it, you mean? Yeah, they don't. That also yeah. like unsettling. I would say uh-huh, most of the time uh-huh. people seem like they're like, wait, why are you, why are you? You're not. Just- you're not following whatever script they think yeah.
1: you should follow.
0: Exactly. So I, I don't yeah. even know that there's a right way to receive a compliment. I think that like whatever way feels comfortable, like that's the way. That's the way to yeah, receive. Even the compliment.
1: if the comfortable is uncomfortable exactly <laughs> Which, <laughs> exactly yeah yeah i mean i don't know i i think i think there's also uh yeah i think that was yeah that was something growing up that was definitely <laughs> that was definitely there it was like you know you should it's, it's like sort of like a um be humble kind of ideology yeah 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 yeah, yeah yeah that's the right way to put it yeah be humble, yeah, be gracious kind yeah. of a thing which which is great in a lot it's, of ways, but also can be uh confusing and
0: <laughs> I mean, my parents tried to keep me humble, but I was just <laughs> like. No, wrong kid. um I'm like yeah. maybe someone. I i mean, I I try to be humble to a certain degree. I don't want to, you know, be like, no, I'm yeah, just yeah. super cocky. But I really just <laughs> never had like people would tell me like, oh, your dress is so pretty when I was like five, and I'd be like, thank you so much. My mom bought yeah. it for me from you know Macy's, which is great. Yeah, which is so great. Yeah, and I
1: mean,
0: and, were,
1: were you a middle child? Just just wondering. I'm the baby. Oh, ah, yeah. you're the baby. Yeah,
0: yeah. Where do you the, fall?
1: I'm the middle child. Okay. Okay. I feel like the middle child, you kind of have to, you you just learn to like blend in yes. the wallpaper a little bit. So I think it
0: was, I think it was partly bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my middle siblings, because there's, there's a lot, there's a few in true Palestinian nature. We, yeah. How many are you total? We're six total. We really oh, are trying wow. to single-handedly repopulate a country. Um, how many siblings do you have? I have three. So we're four total. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a that, what is that like being in a family of four? Like, I mean, it was two boys and
1: two girls, okay. so there was a sort of, I guess, symmetry there. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's not that different from being in a family yeah. of six because, That's true. although you just have two more names to remember and personalities birthdays to navigate and birthdays. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you share, a, or like, did you share a birthday month or a birthday week with a sibling?
0: You know, I my my dad has the same birth month as me, but and now that. My siblings have children. too. Uh, my niece and my nephew are actually both born on the same day in the month and my birthday month, which is March. Um, and so my brother-in-law is in March. But growing up, I was the only—I was the only March baby, other than my dad. But yeah, my dad didn't make that big of a deal out of his birthday, so that was that was fine. <laughs> so you got the yeah, yeah, because
1: yeah. yeah, that's the thing, right? If you're all in the same month, that that could be that—that's when things could get. Then it's like you're starting to share birthday cakes yes and you know whatever not that we made a huge deal of birthdays anyway yeah basically it was an ice cream cake uh, and that was, oh, wait, that oh wait why is it always an ice cream always cake? ice cream cake? why is it always an with ice the cream crunchies cake. too yes. right like yeah, it's got to be a very carvel specific
0: one. the carvel yes. ice cream yes. cake and i loved it and i, I still, still want that every I, year <laughs> i want that right now And <laughs> but it's so funny because i feel like it was always my parents like if you're like oh i want to get a cake they're like ice cream cake like they're yeah, just yeah. like you will get the ice cream cake, right? Like it's going to be- Well, it's almost redundant. Ice yes. cream cake is redundant. You just say
1: cake, birthday cake, and, and that that means ice cream cake.
0: It's understood. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like why you have no business, you know, other than the occasional cheesecake, I will say my mom does oh. love cheesecake. Okay. She's a fan. So, you know, when it's her birthday, we're getting her a yeah. cheesecake. But my dad yeah. is just like, why is this not made out of ice cream? Like. <laughs> I'm not really fully understanding why you brought this Um, But yeah, no, I luckily for me, because I was the youngest, I had older siblings who made a big deal out of my birthday more so than my parents did, because there is a big enough age gap where they almost played the role of like a second parent.
1: Right, right. So yeah, what's the what's the age gap between you and your like oldest sibling?
0: 17 years. Wow. Yeah. What was that like? She, I, I mean, she was like I used to call my oldest sibling when I was very little, Mama Chalud, because she was like, Aww. she was very maternal to me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I really, uh, kind of, I just kind of, I knew she was my sister, but she, I felt like she was kind of like, and even till now, she's very much so. Like, we were friends in the way that siblings are, but there still yeah. is this like. You know, when you're around your parents, you maybe regress slightly. Yeah, that yeah, type of sure. that type of thing. But um, yeah. but also, it's weird because she has a daughter, my niece, who's 26 years old and has a baby. So I'm a great aunt, actually. Wow. So that's been a year. Weird... Be yeah. It's so <laughs> every time I see my niece with her baby, he's turning one, and I'm like, who let you have a baby? <laughs> yeah. Where did you find this child? Like. <laughs> This is your baby? Like are you are you okay? Wow. Is he okay? Like you know what I mean like cuz yeah. It's not even like she's a l- little sister to me, she's like a baby to me forever. Yeah. Um so yeah. that's trippy, but what's the what's the age difference between you and your siblings? Are you guys all close in age or are there larger gaps?
1: Yeah, no, we're pretty close. Like my oldest brother is 5 years older than me and okay. then there's a brother and in, in between there, who's two years older, and then my sister is three years younger than me. So it was all like, pretty contained within yeah. like a 10 year period. <laughs> uh, so I mean, you know, I think, obviously, like, I mean, I, I, I loved, I loved and I love especially as an adult having siblings, actually, me I think I have only really come to appreciate having brothers as an adult. You know, like when you're younger, you're kind of like, yeah. all right, like they're there. And like, they're kind of, sort of you're not like your lives are like parallel rather than intersecting and I think it's as an adult you feel like oh yeah this is like there are other cool humans who actually really understand you know the house you grew up in and the world you grew up in and in a way that no one else can.
0: It's it's definitely I I mean I I'm very close with my sisters specifically I have one brother I will say
1: oh wow we're
0: not super, yeah we're not su- oh yeah we're five girls one boy it's just yeah. <laughs> truly a really special experience um, yeah. really prepared me for life I would say um, but my brother does I will say I feel like growing up with five sisters was I would imagine a lot for him. Uh Um, We're all also very strong personalities and different personalities. Like we Uh all are very different, but we're all very passionate and we are very stubborn and it's just, it's a lot. Uh, (laughs) So I feel like he just kind of, you know, does his... He does his own thing. Um, but uh-huh. you know, my sisters, I will say though, like I have a sister who's a year and nine months older than me. So we're very close in age. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, once we hit our teens, we stopped hating each other. Cause there was that dynamic of like, <laughs> sure. Yeah. More That's so from normal. her end. I just wanted to, for her to love me and be my best friend. Aww. She was just like, get away from me. You're so annoying. <laughs> um, but now that we're older, like we, she's my best friend. Like there's no mm-hmm. question about mm-hmm. it. Like, she is the person that I'm going to talk to about everything. And and I, I do feel that way with my older siblings, but because there is that significant age gap, it's just yeah. such a different dynamic because totally. there is also, I think, and I think a lot of people who grow up in cultures where like respecting elders is kind of ingrained in us so deeply that they're my sisters. So there's a certain casual, you know, Yeah. You know, there's, it's casual, but at the same time, you're still older than me. So Uh there is this, like, I need to show you some type of respect. So like, you know, if my sister was closer in age to me was, you know, being a bitch, I'd be like, you're being a bitch. But if my older sister is, I'm not going to say that to her. I'm just going to respectfully say nothing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And glare. Yes, no, I yes. Mean, it's, Yeah, no, I mean, that that that's real. I feel like you also probably have just, like, different cultural references right. and things like that, right? Yes. Because I feel like once you get past, like, 10-year difference, it's just you're actually, like, almost in a different generation right. at that point, right? right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, with my siblings, it's not – because the age difference isn't so dramatic. But, but even so, with my oldest brother – you know, like, I think partly because he sort of has this, um, he he was, he's always been this kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm going to look out for you, protect your kind of vibes. Um, Very, very kind of typical Arab older brother in that sense. Like, I, I think it took me a long time to get to that place with him where it was like, oh, wait, we can have, like, conversations where we're, like, on the same level right. talking about things. Um, and, yeah, it is it is it is interesting what you said before about, like, sometimes you kind of revert back to, like, old sort of patterns in your relationships yeah. with people who you've known for a long time. Um, whether it's family or even, like, friends who you yeah. grew up with, and it's like they knew you, and then you kind of, like, go through life and you're growing and, and you're kind of each evolving in different ways and sometimes you're like oh like you're kind of disrupting whatever like you know vision I had um about you I with my little sister that that definitely happened I mean you're the youngest and I'm sure for your older sisters that was the case where it was like like I was so protective of her and stuff for so long and then at a certain point she's like I'm an adult now like I actually like I'm a very capable, independent woman. And I'm like, yes, you are. But I can't like wrap my head around this.
0: It's, so. it's I mean, I have five of those. And, right. and, and then my parents, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's, yeah. and I'm, I'm 32, you know, I'm, I'm, I look it I Have to say, thank you. Sounds great. Really Uh, (laughs) I know. Um, I do swear by that. (laughs) Sunscreen genetics, you know, all these, these are all things that I am grateful for the invention of and the existence of, but genuinely, truly, like I, I find myself saying at least once a week to someone, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a grown adult, right? Like you, you know, that I'm not incompetent, right? Like Mm -hmm. you know that I have the ability to comprehend words, right? Like just very simple things. Like I, And it's not to be, none of them are ever trying to be condescending. It's genuinely, truly, I feel that the way I view my niece, and I will probably forever, my oldest niece, who's 26, Mm -hmm. I will always see her and see a little baby, just forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have, I call her Lulu, my baby. That's what I call Mm -hmm. her. No matter where we are, I call her her her, uh, Lulu. Her name is Layla, but we've always called her Lily her whole life. Oh, um yeah. and I don't know when I became an old Arab grandma clearly at a young age and I was just like I will take this and I will call you Lulu and that's
1: no I have a niece that I call Lulu too so that's oh what's her name I understand her name's Leanne but I call her Lulu I mean she's still literally in the baby phase yes she's yeah. only a couple years old but uh but I I I can totally imagine that like you you can't just turn that off right like for especially when you see someone like literally grow up in diapers yep. like have to deal with bullies in
0: school or something
1: yep. like
0: you know whatever it is Ugh, yeah I mean I have a niece who's 19 and she's a she just took her MCAT and she's getting ready to to uh, I guess hopefully go to med school and I'm just like you were a baby, yeah. you were just a baby. Like, yeah. I mean, and I have like a total of 13 nieces and nephews and they're in all wow. in different age groups and like watching them grow is really, truly, I don't know how parents must feel. That's the thing. I like, I know that mm-hmm. like as an aunt, I feel all of these like feelings of protectiveness and, and, mm-hmm. you know, I think that that also, it depends on what your relationship is like and your personality, mm-hmm. but because I'm close yeah. with my siblings and because I, I, naturally feel that way towards them. Yeah. I just I'm like, being a parent seems so stressful, because yeah. I worry about them all the time. These are not right. my children. And I worry about them constantly. So I'm like, I can't even begin to fathom what parents feel like mm-hmm. being responsible for a human being. And I just, it's not the
1: Yeah, like, I, I understand. Yeah, yeah. as I mean, I don't have thirteen, but yeah, I have. I have like, a good number of nieces and nephews, and yeah, I am just like I feel so so attached to them as is. Yeah, um, yeah, it's 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 actually also it. It kind of amazes me, like as like more nieces and nephews are born, and as like you know, even, like it expands. Like you think that you would have like a a limit to your capacity to like love and care and be stressed out over like another little person and with like with each new addition to the family I'm like no I I like I care just as much about this like yes. new you know little creature as like the others and it's it, it's kind of amazing um because I, I think yeah I think it's also to me a testament of like the fact that even if you yourself are not a parent i'm not a parent either um like there's so many other ways to like be kind of a maternal presence slash like this whole idea that like community is what kind of raises a child like i really like see that with my nieces and nephews Where i'm like it's so important like of course having their parents is super important but like having that extended network and support system I feel like makes such a huge difference and sometimes you know like there's downsides to having big families but I think the upside is that you know and like obviously like I think you know in our culture it's like you know you're kind of all in each other's lives and it's like oh yeah (laughs) and and, uh, like I've really I really appreciate that um and I, I I do think more and more when I think about family, and I I talk to people who are like, you know, you, there's the family that you have, and like you foster from the time you're born, and then there's the family you make. And I I think for a lot of people, also they they kind of make families, and and um that maybe are not like biological, but but regardless, it's like you yeah. need that, like you need oh, some form of that.
0: I mean, I have friends who. I, I treat like my sisters genuinely. I, I I really view them as like, I'm protective of them the way I'm protective of a sibling. And I, you know, I, it, it doesn't, that's the thing. It is, I think a little rare though, to find people, you know, and build this other family that like you said might not be Mm -hmm. biological, but, and it's really special when you realize, especially, I think the older you get, I, you appreciate it more because, you know, I mean, I know that I've had a lot of friendships that have, you know, fizzled out, or, you know, I've changed, or they've changed, and we just no longer, it doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense anymore, you know, and so, um, you know, I think, you know, when you're older, and and you see that, oh, wait, this person has, we've still managed to remain friends through all of these huge changes in my life and their life. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's also something that's really special. And, but I will say like. I find that the people that I end up being closest with are typically people who have big families. And I think the reason Mm. for that is because they understand the demands that come with having Mm. a really big family, because whether I do prioritize my family, I will say Mm -hmm. above everyone else. But Mm -hmm. I think other people who might not have that experience, it is a little, they I don't think it's something that they would instantly assume or know to expect. So like, no matter whose birthday it is, I'm going to try to be there. I'm going to, you know, do this. I'm, I'm going to try to help. I'm going to get there early. I'm going to be, I'm going to be doing all these other things. And, and that's, these are all time consuming things, especially, you know, I have five older siblings, they all have kids. And, and then I, that's not even to mention like my aunts and my uncles and my cousins and, and all of that. And I think that, you know, finding people who can either who have shared that experience or finding people who can at least appreciate that um, is also, I think, important to maintaining friendships, because mm-hmm. there are some people who don't get it. And I think it's, I think they think it's strange for like an adult to have ties in that way to their family. And I've felt Mm. as though a lot of times people view it as kind of like a sign of almost immaturity. And I'm like, Mm. no, I'm not under no obligation to do this. Like, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. You know, I love my family, so I want to be present. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's, it's also that's where, I mean... I mean, not to generalize, but I do think that there can sometimes be, this is where some of the cultural differences yeah. like come into play, right? And I, particularly in cities, because I actually think like there are a lot of like, I think there's this kind of um, misnomer about like, well, you know, um, it's like in Western culture, it's this thing and, and kind of like Middle Eastern culture, it's this this thing when it comes to kind of individualism versus family and all that. I think partly it's like, in cities, it, there's, the there can, I definitely feel that pressure, right? Like, where people are like, well, you know, you, you should build a vibrant social life outside of, you know, like your family, let's say. And I mean, yeah, family's a huge part of my life too. Um, and I think, and my, like my husband's South Asian and, you know, it's different culture, but it's like the same emphasis, right, on family. Yeah. Not that everything's exactly the same, but like there is a lot of overlap when it comes to that. And I think you'll find that with a lot of particularly immigrant families, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, that's just, it's just a part of, and, and you know, I think that's like, I, I I hear you. Like, I think it can be, I think it can be hard for people to understand. Um, I think sometimes the people who I've encountered who don't have that choice almost, like they, they either have a very small family and everyone's kind of like, living in different places. So it's not even really an option right. or maybe they just have like whatever situation at home and, and it just creates like a different dynamic. Definitely. And then I'm like, you know, that, that, that's hard for, I, I mean, I, I've, cause i cause I do think that there is a lot of, um, yeah, I don't know like what the word is comfort, but also just like fulfillment that can come from that. Um, but it, it also, it makes me think because when you were describing before, like, you know, having friends and uh, who, who sort of like evolve in different ways than you evolve. And I always, the way I think about relationships more and more now of any kind, but but particularly like friendships and things like that is like, or or, or just encounters with people in the world. Because, you know, when you're in this field where you're doing journalism and you're engaging with a lot of different people, um, I think one of the things I've come to appreciate is that like you can have really meaningful interactions with people in, like, a short span of time. Um, and you never know how long, like, a relationship will last. Some will last your entire life. Some will last, like, less time. But that, you know, that length of time does not dictate, like, how – whether they were, like, important or meaningful yeah. or, or, you know. And, and that that's sort of also been a way that, like, as I've, you know, gone through, like, my adult years, like, that I, I just – have really come to like appreciate more and more that like change is the only constant of life sort of a thing. And, and you just have to, you know, you have to like, like absorb the the good things, right. Um, from the people and the experiences and the places that you encounter. Um, and then just like, accept it, which can be hard sometimes that they're, they're not always going to be necessarily like in your life. Yeah. Um, like no one tells you that, you know, when you're a kid, right. <laughs> listen,
0: and, and I'm that annoying aunt who's, and I've, again, I think there's pros and cons to, you know, me saying, Hey, listen, this is going to happen. And and giving them the tools, I think something that I'm also like, I battle with is letting them just learn on their own, because I do think there is more value and, and experiences, but at the right. same time, that maternal Aunt mm-hmm. behavior really kicks in, and I'm like, well, I don't I don't, I I don't want them to go through that. That's hard and it's upsetting, but it's also like, I don't want to also, you know, stop you because those hard experiences really build character and strengths, and you find strengths within yourself that you would have never known existed if it weren't for these. You know, is, you know, difficult situations where maybe a friendship or a relationship is coming to an end. I think um, navigating that is a skill. And I think it's a skill that can be utilized in ways that you at the time don't even anticipate. And then, you know, a few years down the line, you're, you know, maybe something to do with work happens and mm-hmm. you have those tools because you've dealt with something that might not be exactly the same, but there are similar or there are parallels. And, and I think that there is something to be said about that, that, you know, growing and, and, and moving through relationships. I think, like you said, it's not the length, isn't what I think is the most important part. I think it's more so like what that relationship or friendship brought you and what you, um, and the experiences you have and the memories you have and, and whether or not it's negative or positive, I still think that growth happens when you mm-hmm. are, you know, interacting with any other yeah. person. And 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 yeah, like, I, I feel like I talk to people, not even I feel like I talk to people for the show, specifically, usually people who I've never spoken to before, we this is the first time we're speaking. And, you know, I have built friendships through speaking to people. And it's I think it's such a special, beautiful thing to, you know, be able to meet people and talk to them. and And I feel honored anytime someone you know, comes on the show and, and it is really, it's a great way to, to learn more about humans and, and different experiences. And I, mm-hmm. I just think there, it's really, really kind of the most beautiful part of life is like you said, it is constantly changing and evolving, but finding those joys and, you know, meeting people and, and, and all of those things. Like, I think that is what, you know, does, it does help get through it. It really, it really yeah. does help a lot.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and like what you're saying, I mean, I think especially the part about, like,
0: realizing
1: that, like, hardship is a part of life and that, like, I think there's sometimes almost like a, like a, it feels like a tyranny of, like, happiness where you're, like, there's this expectation you have, like, the only um, positive experience is a happy experience. And actually, like, if, obviously, like, it's not that, it's not that I, like, wish for hardship for anyone but it's sort of like where does resilience come from what is like what you know what is actually like what are we meant to feel like in the course of our lives and I think you know um like on our show you know we've been we've been looking a lot at like sort of you know, just sort of the, the like myths and things that like we take for granted, particularly in, in American life, because we're, we're American and we're in the society. And we, and one of the things that we like keep just sort of like talking about sort of peripherally is like the idea that like the pursuit of happiness is, is the point of everything. Right. And, and yeah, I think about that a lot because like, I one I, that's not attainable for everyone to have to be in a permanent state of happiness but even just the expectation that you should be happy all the time can lead to sadness right because you're yeah. like well i'm not feeling that all the time and i think that's i think there's like a healthy conversation to be had around that that i don't think there's enough space for right in our like in the way that a lot of our like media and and social media and media and, and culture is set up Um, so yeah, I mean, sorry, this uh, maybe took us off on a tangent here, but I'm
0: like, I, I love it. (laughs) And I'm like, and it's also like, I think it works. It's a perfect transition because one of the main reasons I enjoy podcasts is because there is this realness that I feel like as far as like, I guess, social media, if you want to kind of make Mm -hmm. it, you know, and put it under that umbrella, there isn't always That much, you know, reality tied to the content that I feel like a lot of us are consuming. Obviously, there's Twitter, but also Twitter is a terrifying place that, you know, sometimes it's informative, but also sometimes I'm just like, I hate everyone now and I want to break my phone. So, you know, but like, Mm -hmm. as far as like consuming uh, content goes, podcasts have always been really special to me because. they've been the closest thing to like reality. I feel like Mm -hmm. regardless of, you know, what type of show it is, even NPR. When I think a lot of times when you think of NPR, it's like, Oh, NPR, it's like super like official. And and it's going to be like, just very like, but I still feel the, the reason why I connect with a lot of NPR shows is because you can still sense that, this is this person's personality. You know what I mean? Like right. this isn't right. like right. some cultivated or curated yeah. identity. Like they're the host or whoever is speaking. This is there are still big elements of who they are and mm-hmm. connect. Mm-hmm. You can connect to it. And there are like I mean, there's just specific shows and hosts and and you can just you can feel it. And it's yeah. I think. Even just hearing people speak, yeah. you can connect more by hearing a human voice in a way that I feel like a photo or writing, at least for me, it doesn't translate in the same way. And, and I really, really enjoy it so much more because there is that human connection that mm-hmm. is there in a way that I, I don't feel that much in other forms of content.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I feel the same about like audio and like radio and podcasting. Like, it's why it's why I love making the show we make in podcast form, slash radio form, because yeah. there it's a, it kind of exists in both. But like, there is a lot that your imagination can fill in, right? As you're as you're listening, um, our show is is like you've heard the show. It's not just kind of like. Me and Ramtin, my co-host, speaking. Right, we are really trying to like create an experience, and I and I have faith that this medium is actually a good medium to like create the experience. Right, um, it's why you make the show in this medium, right? Because you can like really like you kind of lean in listening, mm-hmm. um, and that's what we're trying to do with these like historical stories: is to um, is to sort of pull people into kind of a different time, a different world. And, like, give them, you know, give them a, like, what we think of as sort of a movie for their ears, right? Yeah. Um, you're, you're really immersing in it. And I think, you know, that, that's just, like, that's a particular kind of um, style, like, within podcasting. You know, not every, I think a lot of people still think, like, well, podcasting is just, is just people, kind of um, talking. And that can be great and and it can be really effective. What we wanted to do was almost trick people into learning about the past because I think there's a lot of, you know, like both from kind of the way that we're taught it in schools to the way it's framed in a lot of um, kind of academic books and things like that, it can be very inaccessible. And we want this to feel really accessible, really related to the world today So not just kind of like interesting history for the sake of it. It's really trying to like connect it today. And then, you know, like as a producer, first and foremost, both my co-host and I, we started out as producers, right? So that was our passion. And we were like, we're always just trying to incorporate as much experimentation in how we transmit the story, how we tell the story. And um, and yeah, I, I... I I hope, I mean, I think the best case scenario of a listening experience is what you described, honestly, is like when people listen and they feel like they're getting something more authentic, they feel like it's not contrived and it's something that really pulls them into almost like an alternate reality space for a little bit. That, that, that is what we aim to do. Um, with each episode and hopefully along the way you also learn
0: some stuff right like and I that to me is always a sign of a good podcast if I'm learning something because maybe not everyone feels this way about podcasts and that's totally fine but I think yeah when you are listening to a podcast there should be something you're learning whether it be about history or about like you know anything. I, I always want to learn something when I listen to a podcast. Those are the shows that I find myself always coming back to is like you said, because for a lot of people, maybe history wasn't their favorite. I'm a weirdo. I loved history. I would beg my mom to buy me World War One and World War Two DVDs mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. back when DVDs were a thing. Yeah. Um, and so I really loved history. And so I enjoyed listening to podcasts that, you know, talk about historical events, but I, even for me, someone who enjoys history, mm-hmm. a lot of them are super boring <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I find myself getting distracted or pausing it and then never resuming it. And so I think that, you know, the way that you and your co host have created it is unique in that it, like you said it perfectly. It is almost like you're watching a movie and the music and the, everything about it, it really, it kind of transports you and you, it, it's special. It's a special kind of experience. And also, like, I really like that I feel like I am gaining knowledge that I have not known about. And that's the other thing, you know, even when it comes to Palestine, which I try to be as well versed as I can because I am Palestinian and it is something that's important to me, but there's always so much information that, you know, whether it was just purposefully not shared with the public or whatever the case may be, I feel like I'm always learning new things about Palestine. Um, and that's something that I take time out of my life to learn about. And so for the other, you know, uh, I guess, subjects that you guys talk about, it's usually like a whole new, like I've never heard this anywhere else. So that's also really interesting for me is that. I'm not only learning things, but it's, I I feel as though I probably wouldn't have learned about this if it weren't for you and your co-host bringing it to my attention, which that feels very valuable to me. And that's something that like, I really, like, I'm very picky about the podcasts that I subscribe to. If I subscribe, that means I love it. I'll listen (laughs) to them here and there. But if I, but the shows that I find myself subscribing to, and I, I listen to it the day they come out is the one's where I'm learning because Mm -hmm. it feels like I'm being productive and Mm -hmm. we love to be productive. We (laughs) love being productive. So I think, but yeah, it's being productive, but also enjoying yourself. Like it's just as enjoyable as watching a Netflix series. And so that's really special to be able to bring those two elements together and educating people, but also making it fun. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's really special. No, you get it.
1: I, listen, <laughs> I look, like, yeah, yeah, it's really. And no, it's really nice to hear you say all that because I think, um, you, yeah, that is exactly what we're going for. I mean, it is like we're we're trying to. I mean, first and foremost, we're telling we're just telling really interesting stories. Like we think of ourselves as storytellers, and those stories happen to be based in history. And like, yeah, we want it to be equally entertaining and informative. And, you know, it's not that you have to remember every single detail, but if you walk away with, like, a slightly shifted perspective on something, I think we feel like that, that, that would feel like mission accomplished because so much of what we do, so much of history is typically told from the kind of white male gaze, right? Yeah. I mean, this goes back to, I mean, particularly in the, like, 20th cent 20th uh, 19th and 20th centuries and like you know Edward Said says this best right in Orientalism I think there's this sort of decolonizing your mind that has to happen yeah um, when thinking about history in particular because so much of the history tellers were uh, had a political a certain political agenda and you could argue all history telling is always politi- politicized but it makes a big difference when the same kind of person who's able to tell the history over and over. And so when we were thinking about what it is that we would be doing differently with the show, right. I, I mean, identity is a funny thing, but like, I, I think we, we definitely um, feel like it's a very important part of our like um, identities and perspectives is the fact that we are the children of immigrants, the we. Um, you know, refugees in both cases, and, um, you know, coming from the Middle East in both cases. And I think that is, I think in the, I think there's more and more space for that. Like, that's the positive, like on the positive side, there's more and more space being opened up for those kinds of perspectives. I think our show is an example of that. But it's a fairly new thing, right? To like have a mainstream audience engaging with history, for example, in our case, in this way. Um and, you know, like to be fully honest, when we first started the show, we didn't think that we would end up with a show necessarily. We we hoped. Yeah. But we were we were like cautiously optimistic because we were like, A, we're we're kind of being very clear here that we're gonna be challenging a lot of these like textbook narratives, um, particularly around American history, but also around world history um, and how the U.S. engages with the world. We're going to sit in uncomfortable spaces. Um, We're going to have to like reflect on our own identity as Americans um, in a very different way. And we were like, are people ready for that? Like, is this something where that that is going to have a mainstream audience? And I think one, NPR taking a chance on it, was was awesome um but also the audience reception has been amazing and it's proven because we get we get feedback you know from lots of people from all over the country particularly after like start airing on the radio where they're like i never would have thought about this like a little bit what you said before like i never had even like known that this existed to think about it in the first place yeah and now i've encountered this history and it's making me like Think differently about like X, Y, or Z, and like that is that's an amazing feeling. That that's what I think that's what we really do this for. Yeah. Um, and you know, even doing that Palestine episode um, took like a lot of internal uh, deliberation, internally, as in like me in my own mind, and also within our team. Yeah, and I think it was partly because we were like is this a line that we're like that in in our audience's eyes, is this going to be like a line that that we're crossing? Because of course this is like a particularly like almost, it's hard to find another issue as politically charged. And so we were like, is it going to be okay for us to do this in the way that we do lots of other stories, which is kind of like offering maybe what isn't the like um, standard you know, yeah. narrative, and um, and we did it. And I think you know, it's it's gonna, it's probably won't be the last episode we do on Palestine, but as as kind of a first step, we are really we we're really happy that we were able to do to do it, especially in that moment when you know everything was happening um, in Sheikh Jarrah and, and Gaza, and yeah, I mean, I've been pleasantly surprised since the show launched, like at how open and receptive people are to hearing these all kind of like different perspectives and challenging themselves. And, um, I don't know in a climate where there's so much division yeah, and like where people are just constantly talking past each other. And it's very hard to find like a Venn diagram kind of overlap (laughs) of like people on the left and right and whatever, um, religious or not, or, um, you know, whatever it is, um, however you break that division down. Uh, I, I think our show is sort of hopefully creating that a little bit of like a Venn diagram meeting space. Uh, we hope like yeah. we really are trying to always challenge ourselves to like to be like, okay, what are our own biases that we're, you know, like continuing to buy into and not challenging? Um,
0: I don't know, that's easier said than done. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's all, every individual is always to a certain degree, I think working past certain biases that they might have just absorbed from their environment or were taught as children, or maybe it's a part of their culture. There's just so many Mm -hmm. factors that play a role. And I know for myself, You know, you would think that the things that I say up at night thinking about regarding my podcast are all the embarrassing things that I share about Mm -hmm. my personal life, but it's really not. It's usually more so me at some point maybe sharing, um, you know, a viewpoint that I might have on something that is political that – I maybe don't feel that way anymore. Um, you know what I mean? And and, and I'll, I'll speak about it, but- Because you know, you're allowed to change your mind about exactly, it. Right? It's like, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But it's, it's more so like, I'm like, oh, I hope someone doesn't like just listen to that episode and doesn't, you know what I mean? And someone who hasn't or doesn't continue to because, and I think that's the beauty about a podcast also is that you can kind of see that person's perspective evolving and, and different factors that play a role. And, um, I, I think that we should be allowed to change our mind. And I think that it, there should be some grace that's given to people and, um, you know, not like I was ever like supporting the KKK, but, you know, there was a time where I was like, maybe a little bit more, uh, Patriotic, even though patriotic still feels like a strong word to use, but I definitely feel like uh, the older I get, the more I learn, the more history and facts that I consume that weren't from a textbook, the more, you know, it becomes a little challenging as an American to. Even say I am an American. It, it's 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 something that, as a first generation Palestinian American, I. It's hard for me at times to even want to say that because of all of the information that I now have, which is not I de- I don't want it to sound like a deterrent. Like no, it's. I'm glad that I know this. Know what I know now, but it changes your perspective. It, it it, I think that you know, a lot of the textbooks that most Americans grow up studying, it's kind of like PR for America. And that's kind of how I view it. And so they want to, you know, highlight the wins and they want to highlight the positives. And sometimes that also means manipulating facts, but whatever, that's for a different time to, to discuss. That's a whole other separate conversation. But I think that you know, when that's the information you're presented with, I think it you know it, it's hard to expect you not to have used certain things in a way. And and I think learning and growing and 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 changing your perception or perspective on certain things is amazing. And it's, and it's, it's a sign of, I think, growth and also expanding your mind. And I think it's really important to like, even allow yourself to, to do that. And I think when you find resources, cause I would consider your show to be a, a resource in that way and allowing mm-hmm. yourself to, uh, to listen and hear it out and, and be willing to change your mind, I think is so important because mm-hmm. there have been times where I will listen to a podcast and it challenges my beliefs. And, you know, it, every person is so different. I'm a skeptic. So I will then go do my own individual research. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it does change my mind. And, and I think the better we get at embracing that, the, mm-hmm. the more we are allowing ourselves to like move forward. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, what's what is the point of dialogue if you're not willing to have your mind changed? Yeah, what's you know, what's the point of encountering new perspectives if you're unwilling to sort of like truly consider it. Um and that's not necessarily what's profitable nowadays, <laughs> I think even in media, right? Like I don't yeah. think that that is the like ethos of it. Um and so there's a lot of like doubling down on you know, this is my this is my lane and this is my perspective as a you know Uh, as a journalist or media organization or whatever. Um, And I, I don't think that's helping anybody um, in this country. And, and yeah, I I mean, it's really hard to find those spaces, right. Where like people are able to like engage with, you know, uncomfortable perspectives to their own. Um, And, by uncomfortable, I don't mean hateful. Yeah. Um, But I do mean uncomfortable in the sense that like a different viewpoint on the same issue. I think that is important to engage with. And it's something that internally on our team, we're always trying to do. Like that is a big part of our process. Um, And it is one of the hardest things to do because, you know, you think history is you know, you're talking about the past, right? Like, okay, well, it's outside of the parameters of whatever political conversations are happening in the present, but like the reality is no, everything about the way that you talk about the past is shaped by the way you're talking about the present. And so I think um, we're constantly navigating that, constantly thinking about that. Um, We have been working on a couple episodes coming up on Afghanistan, and this has been such an important part of that conversation is like, which perspectives you prioritize, because I think in which, you know, there's different reality, there's kind of um, I don't want to say different realities, but one, one of the guests we've, we've talked to said like, there's almost different realities, not just different perspectives. um, When you look at a history as kind of complex and layered as, as Afghanistan. And I think that that is where things get both tricky and, and more nuanced and, potentially more I think useful right like if you sit in that uncomfortable space if you sit in that nuanced space that's where you start to actually get at some I think deeper truths about um you know about a particular place but also about um about how we tell history about how we tell stories about what history does for us um and and you know it's, it's hard to get right every time. And we we do our best. Um, I don't think we necessarily like, you know, necessarily get it 100% right every single time. But I think that goes back to that sort of like the humility question. I think it's important to be humble enough to know that like, you're not going to like, perfectly, it's not going to be perfect every time. But if that is your goal, if you're sincerely trying to um, interrogate your own biases, and like, you know, get at these deeper nuanced truths, you're more likely to get somewhere close to there. Um, yeah. And, and again, we're trying to do all that while really making something that's just like really freaking entertaining. That's like, like, you know, that you just can't stop listening to because it's captivating your attention. Yeah. Um, so the, the like, you know, it's, it's, um, it's something that I feel lucky to be able to do, um, especially you know, in this like new cycle with, you know, the pandemic and all these other things kind of happening, um, policing, all of that, it, it like, it's given us a way to sort of really try to better, better understand the things that have been happening around us. And also, I mean, I guess you could say this is optimistic, um, because history is dark. I mean, like overall, history is very dark. That's why dark, I loved you know? it. I yeah. was a little
0: and... emo teenager. <laughs> I loved how dark it was. That was that was <laughs> what drew me in. I was like, "This is dark. I wanna, I wanna, wanna read more about this." There, but. there is definitely, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of darkness. Yeah, but it can I mean, be a at bummer the same at time. time. It there can there be is, a bummer.
1: It can be a bummer. Yeah, but uh, but I, I do think there is something um, almost hopeful about being able to look at the past and saying, okay, well, like, these are the things, the hardships to kind of get back to that word we were using before. But these are the things that like civilizations have encountered, peoples have encountered. And like, it is not an upward trajectory of progress. I don't, I don't believe that. But I do think, um, you know, people have found ways to survive. And, um and I think that's, some kind of something you know it's something it, it's something it's and, definitely and, yeah and it also reminds you that like a lot of these things that we take for granted as like inevitabilities are not actually inevitable yeah um every historian that we've ever talked to for any episode on any topic when we ask them i mean was this inevitable they're like no like nothing like history is not inevitable and that's the thing um that i think is a source of some hope is like, if something is not inevitable, that means it can be changed. And I do think uh, we are in a constant state of change as like humans and, you know, um, like on an individual level and also like on a kind of broader social level, right? So I, yeah, I think I think our show tries to get... Um, tries to get closer to some of those you know yeah deeper truths or reflections about kind of just like the human experience um through history um, and yeah maybe, yeah,
0: maybe people will find that valuable, I hope people find that valuable I mean, I again, my audience knows i'm I'm a picky girl, I have a lot of thoughts <laughs> and opinions and I, I treat my podcasts that way. And I will say like, it's, it is, it is valuable to me. Like when I listen to the show, I'm, there's never been a time that I haven't learned something. So that to me is really exciting. And also like, it does challenge the viewpoints that I may have previously made that sometimes are not even very informed views. You just gather information and you try to put things together. And I think that it's really great to hear From you to hear from your co-host to hear from the guests that you have on, we're always so cool. Like I'm weird. I've never fangrolled over like a pop star. I really just (laughs) like I just I I know some
1: of these historians are they're so cool. They're so cool. The nicest people, just for the record, because they're so excited to share. Like you know they've been studying some you know these things for decades, and they're just so happy to share this knowledge that they've like gained. Um, And and
0: it's and I think that that translates. I think that you can tell that this is a show that's kind of made with people who are all passionate about Mm. history and, and, and making it accessible. And that definitely translates. It comes across and Mm. I'm, I just, I'm so glad that you were on the show and I, I, there's a million other things I would love to ask you about, but for the sake of time, um, we, we, I'll I be in we can, part two. Yeah, that exactly. <laughs> there's just going to be, have to be a part two. Um, but, um, new, I want you to share, you know, where people can listen to the show. I believe it comes out on Thursdays. Uh, yes. um, and, and then anything that you want to plug or promote. Uh, sure. Yes. Um, yeah, it comes out every
1: Thursday. Uh, we have an upcoming two-part series on Afghanistan um, that we've been working on and um, I think will be really, really, you know, um, helpful given everything that's going on. Um, and you can listen wherever you listen to podcasts um, yep. on any um, app. Uh, we're also on the radio in some cities. Um, and you can also always go to the NPR website and listen to Throughline. It's one word, Throughline. Um. yeah, I, I thank you for having me on. I mean, it's, it's been so nice talking to you. And also good luck with your move.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you. No, yeah, it's literally been such a pleasure to talk to you. And yeah, I'm going to um, have throughline everything linked in the episode description. Um, so you'll be able to find everything there. And then as always, guys, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Arab American Psycho, where you will see a lovely photo of Rund, and um, you can follow me on Instagram at E, where I will most likely be, you know, having some type of mental breakdown related to moving. So that will be fun for all. And yes, uh, floss your teeth, wear sunscreen, don't be an asshole, and I will talk to you guys next Sunday.